Before you dive into this exciting episode, I'd like to let you know about the Squash Playbook, your tactical blueprint for success. The playbook is written based on the most common solutions I have given to the people I coach over the last 20 years. It is the ultimate how-to guide for any squash fan, and you can grab a free copy right away by visiting squashplaybook.com or clicking on the link in the show notes. Are you freaked out by that hard-hitting hacker? Frustrated with running out of ideas against the relentless retriever? Want to close out matches more clinically when in the lead? Or do you need some mental tools to overcome bad calls by referees? These answers plus many more have been brought together all in one place for the squash community. The Squash Playbook is a practical toolkit that breaks down over 40 scenarios that are most commonly faced on the court. Each scenario provides the psychology and the strategy needed to get a positive result. Each chapter wraps up with the top six key points to keep things simple and practical. The aim of the book is to transform reactive players into proactive tacticians. I focus on breaking down complex situations into straightforward, effective strategies for those high pressure moments in a match. So why not grab your copy now and step onto the court next time with a clear head and a set of strategies to win those matches you know you're capable of. Please enjoy the show. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, I hope you enjoyed that first part of my conversation with Sarah Jane Perry. Um, I'm not sure how you felt, but I felt really inspired going through those matches with her, really getting into that detail about her mindset, her mental state. And yeah, me, me myself taking a lot of notes and a lot of inspiration from what she's just spoken about. So I hope you enjoy part two as much. As I said, we get into more of the uh, detailed analysis about her mind, some of the practical things she does to foster and cultivate this really strong mental toughness. And as she admits, she is not necessarily the most physical player on the tour, so she has to make up for it in other ways. Yes, we know how good her racket work is, how great she strikes the ball, how well she can put the ball away, but a massive contributing part to her success has to be the mental side of the game, and and she talks about this. So I hope you enjoyed this second part of my chat with Sarah Jane Perry. So you've also told me that you've been working a lot on the mental side of the game. As soon as someone says that to me, my curiosity peaks up. I'm always interested in this type of, of training and what happens. Can you expand what you have done as much as you can share on this topic? It would be lovely to hear what's been going on with the mental side of your game. 
yeah, the two kind of aspects that I guess have been worth on mostly. So one, you know, I've been working with a sport with a sports psychologist for a number of a number of years, and um, you would know, do I do quite a lot with her, um, quite a lot varied, a lot of bits about like focus and um, I guess repetition to make things autonomous so you know autonomy of play um and then the other side i guess is um more about kind of um speed or brain functions (laughs) reactions and um brain processing and things like that so um for that i do that on like a i guess not well an app on my phone um which was which came highly recommended which is all researched and everything like that can you um, show what that app is yeah yeah it's uh, brain hq okay um, I have it specifically set by um by someone for the there's a lot of exercise different exercises on there mm-hmm. um so i have it specifically set to a i think there's seven that i do um and can you yeah, explain uh, more exactly what it does? You said it's obviously for, for speed and is it for decision-making? Can, can yeah. you enlighten us? Some of, yeah, the different ones all do different things. Some of them are about um, being able to process things in your peripheral vision. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are about processing multiple moving objects. Um, some of them are a slight sort of... Uh, I guess moving objects and then bringing it into a a chaotic field of view. <laughs> so um, it's about about perception through the eyes and and where you're looking and where you're scanning your environment. Yeah, I do have. There's one of them is to do with sounds as well. Brilliant. Um, so yeah, there's there's kind of a range of a range of ones, um, and then we kind of did a base a base test of. Um, reactions and perceptions using some uh, like light light box type things um, so we'll make it slightly squash specific say so we have a setup of um, four light sensors in front behind the left and right of you um, and the one exercise for example would be they're just one of them one of them turns green at a time so you have to go get the green one and the rest are red and then you have to go and get the next green one mm-hmm. um, the then the next one might be something like um you have to get the green number one and one might be a green one but then it might be a, a red one a green two and a, a red four or something you know so right. you have to then you have to process a bit more um also just so and that involves movement so you have to actually move to each one mm-hmm. you can do um stuff we do other ones where you put them four in a row and you have to you have to find the odd one out mm-hmm. like quickly and tap the right tap the right one and things like that so um they're quite quite varied i think you yeah. can 
Well, well, the, it, the body the body of research is is really lending to that lately. It's it's you know neuron synapses in your brain, the myelin sheath that are getting wrapped around the stuff that's firing off in your brain. And yeah, I think the more we are exercising that brain, it's only going to be better. And it, it's a little line that I, I heard recently on another podcast called uh, "Gym of the Mind." And and where the guy was going, he was going, you know, gyms in the '60s and '70s weren't really that popular, and people didn't really use gyms. He and, and what we see now, it gyms all over the place. Everyone's using gyms he believes that's where the mind is at the moment and working on the mind because we've got so much better brain scanning technology we can see what's going on in the mind and he believes we're at that point where we were in the 70s where we are with the mind say give it 15 or 20 years we're going to see a lot more of these applications and processes about working on the mind and firing off different parts of the brain and it sounds like you're right on the cutting edge of that and currently doing it so how often do you practice this stuff is it a daily process a daily routine um, it should be. Uh, <laughs> I think the, yeah, ideally, mm-hmm. like 20 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. Um, reality, probably, I probably do 20 minutes twice a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's, I still haven't, I need to play around with it a bit. And mm-hmm. there's a, a, yeah, there's a, a bit of uncertainty whether it's, it's useful straight before play a match. Mm-hmm. Or something mm-hmm. um, to to get your brain to warm up your brain as you would your body. Yeah, that's uh, that's the question I've been looking at as well. Is is that idea of how applicable is this to your sport and your domain? Yes, yeah. we can do these things for our brain, but how is it getting you to pay attention to your sporting environment? And I think that's where the research will continue to get better, and it, it might be more focused on what you, Sarah Jane, need for the ability to anticipate better, for example. So that's where I think it it could be expanding quite a lot. And and I suppose linked to linked to this, um, I, I'm always curious about habits, routines, behaviors. Where are you at with with, with those topics? And and what do you feel that you do that that's built up, you know, habits, routines, behaviors, and contributed to your success over the years? It's taken a lot of years to build a lot of the behaviors. <laughs> um, when I when I finished university and started playing, there was uh, not many. Um, positive routines and behaviors for professional sport um you know there was i was going to bed late getting up having the bowl of cereal and going straight to the club and going on court you know um and i think it's a lot it's, it's easy to say now but the more i think the more i saw thing yeah the more i saw how things paid dividend mm-hmm. um, with planning and having those routines and doing the extra bits, then you know the, the easier it is to make them a habit, I think, as well. But it also, even when I get back from a tournament, some of them are still easy to brush off and go, oh, I don't need to do that. But actually, I think that you quickly quickly again realize that they are an important important habit so you know the things for me is like i have you know i have a lot of um i've had a lot of like i guess limb issues over the years um so i don't know a lot of it starts on my feet so if i don't roll if i don't like roll my feet with golf ball or something and they get really tight and then i you know it, i can't i can't lunge properly because my foot's tight which is mm. which is usually just a, a lack of um 
recovery for it, lack of rolling and stretching and things. So, um, you know, I like to um, I like to have a plan for the day. You know, even even if it's not for the whole the whole week, but I also so I like to have a plan going into a day, so I know what's happening when I go to bed. I've quite often now I have like an overnight oats for breakfast, so I know my breakfast there ready. Just need to literally get out of the fridge and eat it. Nice. Um, but then I know, like today, you know, before we spoke, I knew I had a forty-five minute bike session to do, and to do it before <laughs> I spoke to you. I needed to start it at a certain time so that I had time to have a shower, have a have a quick snack, and then and then speak to you. And I think for me, it's it's that it's that level of literally planning exactly what time I'm going to do things that I know it's it becomes for me a lot of the time, particularly now when we're in this kind of lockdown. I'm doing a lot of my training at home. So mm-hmm. this morning, my bike my bike is in my conservatory just over here. <laughs> um, and it's so you don't have that trigger of leaving the house to go and exercise I have to just walk through the curtains into conservatory which isn't quite the same mentally so it's a lot easier to um I think struggle with the kind of motivation side and things like that so by giving myself that time I think I take away the option of not doing it as well Um, myself that time of doing it right this is what you're doing this is your plan okay I'm okay with that that's what I do um but then the other aspect the other aspect of that as well is i think accountability um so it's yeah there's several several ways which i've sort of found help with accountability to do just help with the motivation to do things as well because mm. uh you look pretty poor to someone if you tell them you're going to do something mm. decent and you don't do it do you yeah so, so well, so even what, if, what, what accountability stuff do you do? Because that's a word I like yeah. to use a lot. Um, and, and yeah, anyone listening could probably learn a lot from this. Yeah, so I mean, there's several things. So for me, one of the things is, I, you know, I've done enough training now. I could probably write my own program, weekly program, if I want, you know, if, if I needed to. Mm-hmm. But I find it a lot more accountability in um, paying like out my own pocket for my um my strength conditioning coach who's very knowledgeable in the area as well but he you know he'll be like okay when you've done that bike session send me the heart rate trace across I want to have a look at that and yeah and even if he doesn't and even if he doesn't ask for it I'll send it in <laughs> I think that's good because you know go whereas I think if you and so then he knows as well if I do decide not to do if I do go actually I don't think that's right to do that session. He, he, I know he's got that trust in me, but I know I'm doing it for the right reasons as well. And actually I didn't do my last bite session before I went to Egypt because I was like, no, I'm feeling a little bit fatigued, a bit kind of leave that. I mean, I think that was the right decision in hindsight. (laughs) But, But I think, so I think that, for me that helps but I know that's not like always an option for, for everyone mm-hmm. so I think the other thing is just tell tell someone you're going to do it and at what time you're going to do it you know uh, so whether it's your you know your mum your friend even your dog if you're you know if there's no one else there <laughs> you'll get you know, so it actually gets to do it I think um mm-hmm. some of the other players have been say doing 
doing Zoom workouts with some of the other players or joining in ones online together and things like that, just mm. to, you know, it's that, like we said, like we were saying earlier, um, the kind of people and the commute, I guess the communication that people mm. are missing with people and actually that yeah. brings that into it as well. Um, yeah, connection, communication. You you alluded to a point there. Um, people hear me talk about this all the time, but but James Clear wrote a book called Atomic Habits, and that accountability part of it, he talks a lot about. Tell someone, tell the time you're doing it, tell them what you're doing, and actually, once you've actually verbalized it or texted someone doing it, you know, you 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 put it out there. It's in the universe, and you know what? You've got a responsibility to fulfill it. And he talks a lot about those those habits and 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 accountability is a, a big one. And yeah, look, look, it sounds like you again, I keep referring to this, but you really sound like you know yourself, you're in a really sweet spot. And it sounds like it's something that you've cultivated throughout the years. And I'm also interested in do you practice any forms of mindfulness? And if so, can you expand on this? I do intermittently, mm-hmm. yes. Um I use um I use Headspace to um, sometimes for the actual, sometimes for meditation, and sometimes just for um, almost, almost more like just the breathing. Ex- breathing exercise is side for um, helping me sleep. Quite often, I struggle to sleep at tournaments. Um, you sometimes end up having caffeine at strange times and Mm -hmm. adrenaline on top of that um or end up eating late and things like that and um it can be a struggle to seek so i find it really helpful um for that for that purpose and i think i use it intermittently Mm. because i find it as i'm sure most people i find it most helpful when my my brain is really cluttered and i want to um get some clarity back in my thinking and be able to be able to park some of the mm-hmm. chaos at the sides and actually then um begin to address the the things that I would like to <laughs> that, that are all swimming around in there which mm-hmm. yeah I think I think that's the thing as well like they're not none of the none of the thoughts that I'm say thinking are ones that need to be ignored but sometimes if there's too much going on then I lose all um productivity and all clarity and actually addressing any of them mm. so then you don't get anything done whereas actually you know, I feel like um when I clear when I can clear my mind and um I, yeah, I find myself much much calmer and able to able to focus yeah, um I heard I heard an amazing analogy to describe almost exactly what you said um the the guy talking about it was says imagine you obviously go to a tap and you and you pour a big tap of water you know as you finish pouring that water there's loads of bubbles in the water there might even be a bit of that 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 white kind of stuff in the water lots of little bubbles lots of big bubbles and he says his mind even just doing two to five minutes of mindfulness two to five minutes of meditation it feels like what that glass looks like after five minutes you know all the bubbles then settle down you can see through the water it's clear there's no um, turmoil going on and I thought that was a really nice description of of what's going on in the mind how much is being you know thrown around their thoughts decisions I've got to do this or something's in the past but actually mindfulness tends to be like that setting settling that glass of water and it sounds like that works for you as well the way you described it really reminded me of that that description yeah I think that's a re- that's a really great uh, analogy mm. um, and, and way of thinking of it for sure yeah. 
So yeah, no, it's, it's something that I'm I'm personally practice a lot over the last few years, and it's helped me personal life, professional life, and something that I'm really trying to fold into, especially the younger players, just their 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 training methods. But I would like to focus a little bit now on your your two main coaches in your career. You've had Steve Townsend and Rob Owen. They've they've guided you throughout most of your career, I believe. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, can you shine a light what it's been like working with them? Because they're very different characters and they bring different strengths to the table. They certainly are uh, very different, very different characters. And um, I did mention uh, Sue right now rose um in there before as well and she's she's also a very different character from from the two of them so uh it's it's been yeah it's definitely been an interesting um pupil journey i guess i'll call myself a pupil mm -hmm. um steve, so steve coached me from when i was 10 um he's a club you know he's been a club coach at kenworth um since since then and um he's been a huge part of shaping the way I play squash and also me as a person, you know, he uh, coached me a lot from throughout that really um, forming time, I guess, when you're <laughs> in your, particularly, I think, early, early teenage years, I think really, um, really important for that. And he has a, you know, he has, a, I, I think the, the one thing that definitely spans all of the all three of the coaches is they're very um, they take a very individual approach to each player, um, and that is really important to me. And I think mm. we mentioned before about not playing a traditional English way, mm -hmm. uh, sort of, and you know, forming my own identity as a squash player and that being you know the forefront of my my game um and i think steve's always been really encouraging of that mm -hmm. and um you know, every every player that he's coached has played played differently mm. and played to what you know what i would say is their strengths um He's recent, you know, he's definitely good at getting players to hit the ball pretty well. <laughs> and, uh, you know, spent a lot of time with me. And um, during those, during those years, particularly, and during and after my university career, when I started out on the tour, uh, trying to help me, I guess, find my feet on the tour as well. Um, and find find myself as a squash player so mm -hmm. I think you know it's imperative to have if you're going to spend that much time on tour um as as a squash player to have that identity is key mm. um he's you know he's quite uh you know Steve's quite a sort of gentle character but he you know he found ways to to get me to do the the hard work that I didn't necessarily want to do <laughs> <laughs> um and also, I think was good as well because he would, you know, was happy, like proactive in finding people to help me in in aspects maybe that he wasn't. Mm. Um, he wasn't expert in, I would say. 
Yeah, right? that's a sign of a, of a really confident coach, in my opinion, knowing, knowing your strengths as a coach and going, hey, I can help you with this, but you know what? Let me signpost you to someone who's got a deeper understanding of, of something out there. And, and I can only assume that that strengthens and deepens relationships, you know, or, or trust between you and Steve or you and Rob or, or anyone you're working with. You know, I think that that for me on a personal level is exactly what I'm trying to do going, hey, I think I know about a few things, but I definitely don't know about all the things and signposting it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Is, is really interesting and then working with rob he's he's got a he's got a great environment there i believe and you know you've got guys like paul cole coming to him now and you know joel macon and people come and go but but what, what's the what's that environment like you know pre, maybe pre-covid you know getting into that 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 hitting with him and you know he's very technical i believe and and, and he really gets people to play quite an attacking style can, can you expand on on the work you've done with him rob's um got a you know a fantastic squash brain both tactically and technically um he is you know he's an amazing he's an amazing coach technically and um you know i think you can see i've i think most people can see i've definitely improved on that side um since working with him um because given my given you know i think i've given myself a lot more options on the ball and it's mm. just you know he has a lot of um you know really it's really important being balanced on the ball mm-hmm. um and i think a lot of a lot of coaches not by any fault of their own lack the understanding of what that actually means um and i think you know having having done it himself as well i think a bit long way i think he'll you know he calls himself a squash failure pretty much but um, but in the same in the same breath, he'll also quite happily tell you that there's only about a handful of people that hit the ball better than he does. So, <laughs> um, I think that's where the squash failure comes in. I think it was a brain failure um, okay. on court. But he's a you know he's very deceptive mm. squash player with a lot a very very high skill level. Um, and he, but what he is good at is knowing where he went wrong or where he didn't um, succeed and how he can help uh, help other squash players to do that. Um, mm. He's not someone to sugarcoat <clears throat> anything. Um, but at the same time, there's such a mutual respect between us that no matter what he says, if he says, if he said to, you know, if he says, oh, you're, your forehand drops rubbish it's not because he's trying to be mean it's because mm. he's going well your forehand drops rubbish we can improve that we can do let's do something about it um and it's just an, it's an area he thinks you know no matter who he's talking to if he tells them that he thinks it's he thinks 
he truly believes he's helping them mm. and telling them that because then they can address it. And yeah. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of players who don't like that because they just they'd want to be told they're brilliant when if you're not number one in the world, you're not brilliant. And even even the number one will probably say, Oh, I can work on this, this, and this. There, that's the mindset that I have. And I think I mean, I'll come, I'll tell you back to a bit of a growth mindset, really. And if you don't have that, then someone like Rob, it's not the coach for you. Yeah, um, it sounds like I've heard that been said about him, but it also reminds me of what I've heard of other great coaches. If they are willing to pull you up on something or willing to be completely truthful and honest, it's because they care. It's because they want yeah. to help you and yeah like i i've been through different phases of my coaching and also as a player you know going oh do i need a sugar coated to keep this person you know engaged but actually the more i come to think of it and the more i wish i would been spoken to in certain ways was like that going yeah just just tell me the honest truth because that that's that's what i want to hear and it sounds like it's it's a really good relationship between you two um, and then finally with sue are you on court with her is that more just a, a more of a mental thing and, and a, a touch base how, how, does, how does that relationship work um, so I don't I don't work with Sue anymore. I just worked with Sue um, between so when I, uh, between when I was working with Steve and when I was working with Rob. I personally um, I don't mind going on court and doing sessions with another coach feeding, but for me, um, I for my clarity, mm. I think it's really important for me to only have one coach at a time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Sue. When the year that I worked with Sue, we did a lot on. We worked a lot on the discipline side of um, whether it was just you know the the physical training side on court, or we did a lot of sessions, even solo, you know, structured solo sessions, hitting hundreds and hundreds of balls, and just learning to hit the ball above the tin as well. That was uh, that was a big lesson. Um, <laughs> just going well. You know, and then the confidence you can take from those. If, if I go and hit 50, 54 and drops and 48 um, are above the tin, then you can go in, you know, when you come to and you just get used to moving your feet to hit the shot. Mm. When I go to, when I get into a match, then you're not going, oh, what do I need to do with this four and drop? You just go, right, oh, there, bang. Mm. And I think, you know, that was, that that kind of opened my eyes. So that kind of, um, that kind of thing. Because I think before that it was, um almost been given a bit more of a free reign with Steve so it was a bit more like oh if you want to so I'd go and do maybe five forehand drops then I'd do five cross court nicks and mm -hmm. then I might do two lobs and then go and do something else rather than actually that repetition side um um but so I think so whilst I think ultimate ultimately I think um I then it was the right time to move on and um, I've been aware of Rob coaching uh, nearby for a while and mm -hmm. although he didn't coach any any females um, I was really um, intrigued and you know reached out to him for that conversation I think that that year with Sue put me ready for for mm -hmm. that as well nice. um, Great. so I think you know each phase has been 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 really important but I think like I said between some of the you know Rob's take on squash is quite different to to some people's. It's a lot more analytical. I mean, his 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 day job really is is, is sport betting, um, particularly in horses and cricket, particularly. So he's got a very analytical mind, very quick 
mind um but understands as well like the the payoff um but also the detriment of taking risks and <laughs> when when they're good and when they're good and bad ones so uh, you get taught it sounds like you've 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 borrowed from all of the coaches. They've molded you in different ways, taken their strengths and, and built them. And again, working with your strength and conditioning coach and and mindset coach and psychologist. It sounds like you're surrounding yourself with really positive, influential people. And and yeah, it's only it's only looking like this on your results. So I know I'm conscious you've given me so much time, and I am massively grateful of it. But I've got just a few more questions if you can spare some time with these, which I think would be quite cool to go through. So, um. Looking at your whole career from maybe junior all the way to now, has there been one part of your career that's been mentally the toughest? Something that comes to mind that you go, oh yeah, I really had to mentally draw on some some real deep stuff in my mind to be able to get through this period. Um, I think there's a, there's a few which kind of stick out a bit. I think um, there was definitely some periods in my junior in my junior career where because I wasn't the the size and shape and model English squash player that most people kind of expected and mm. it was yeah I was hearing that I wasn't ever going to yeah I might be a decent junior I might hit the ball all right but I was never going to be you know a proper squash player mm. um so then actually and I was struggling I was struggling through the latter half of my junior career with a knee injury which needed a uh, chronic knee injury and then that let that followed into university where you know I had this knee injury so I just didn't even think about going pro when I was 18 um I don't think I was mentally ready either um you know I mitigated it a bit by going to uni down the road um but then when it came to towards the end of uni I was very close to just taking the same path as all my friends at uni and going and getting a job mm-hmm. um and it was, you know, I had to have a real deep think about it's, it's, it's hard to know. I had no idea. You know, it was a huge leap of faith. I had no idea how good I was going to be at squash yeah. and whether my body could even do it because up to this point, it hadn't done great, <laughs> to be honest. And I didn't know. And there's, there's always that, I think, you know I'm there was two options basically which was don't do it and always wonder or do it and just throw everything at it and you know know you've tried and Mm -hmm. I think I'm definitely in life in general with the latter there and that's obviously what I did um so there's that that's that kind of moment really but then I probably you know, quite quickly after I started playing on tour, I started doing quite well in the smaller tournaments and um, I kept playing those smaller ones for a while because um, Steve did a camp at Kenilworth one one year and he had Peter Nickel come for the day and um, I, was co- I was helping coach on the camp and I remember talking to Peter Nickel and basically saying, have you got any, have you got any advice for me? You did all right. Um, (laughs) and his advice was don't under, you know, his advice was don't underestimate how important it is to win matches and like winning, winning is a habit, but so is losing. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, that really resonated 
that really resonated with me and I so I won a lot of I've won quite a few it was one year where I think I won six or seven 10 and 15k tournaments um and there's probably people going oh what's she doing in another one why is she in another one like she could get into the bigger ones now but I and then I started playing some of the bigger ones but I was still playing some of those because I felt you know we felt it was really important to to keep that to keep that going and so then I think the next sort of blockade kind of came at the end of that period where I did start the you know the it is a it is an area that PSA want to improve is that middle middle level of tour yeah you know, the amount of middle level tournaments between the um the top at the top end of the challenger tour and the bottom end of the world tour to to make that kind of transition possible because totally. people just go they play the small ones and as soon as they can get in the big ones they just play the big ones mm. and then losing first maybe second round all the time yeah. and you're not playing many matches it's disheartening you know it is and that was the kind of place I got to where I was but actually it was it was I was getting to the I was probably getting to the last 16 all the time Mm -hmm. pretty much you know most of the time I was getting to the last 16 and I was just you know but you'd go and play two matches I'd win two matches and then every time I'd lose and I'd you know I'd come up against someone like Raneem or Shabini and they're just fantastic players and they just like walk over me and it was that was that was a really tough that was a really tough period because I think I got to maybe 14 in the world right. and I was there for probably about two years I think and I just you know it was like you start questioning yourself because it, it I wasn't really getting any of those breakthrough wins but mm. I wasn't really pushing them it wasn't like I was getting closer and closer. I was just getting, I was beating these people and then I was getting run over by whatever top eight player I played. And that was just on repeat. <laughs> and yeah, that took it, that took its toll. And I think, yeah. but I think How it's did the same. You have to break through that then. What, what was there any seminal moments or matches or mindset or training techniques that, that got you past that point of being stuck there? I think it was, I stripped, yeah, I stripped my thinking back and started again, like almost, I think I went to speak to the sport psychologist and he said, look, like, why am I playing? What's my goal? Short-term, long-term? Um, like how, you know, what does that look like for me as a squash player? And how are we going to get there? What is the steps to get there? And I think that's where, that's where sort of, I think the real importance of the goal setting came in. Um, because until then I just kept playing how I wanted to play and that was fine <laughs> just got better at that and then it sort of hit a wall um but I think the but that also came with the realization that I, you know I felt like I needed a change with coach mm-hmm. um and when you when you know which is which is a big deal after at this point I think I was 25 <clears throat> 24 maybe 24 I think um, so I've been working with Steve for like 14, 15 years or something. So it's mm. a long time. Um, but I almost felt like, like you said, I'm, I, I get different things from different people and work them all together to my advantage. And I felt like I'd almost got everything that I could from Steve. I needed needed some disruption from somewhere and everything like that. And that was where um, 
that was where Sue came in. Mm -hmm. And I think just almost, I think the stuff with Sue was really important not to downplay Sue at all, but I think it could have been any coach and it would just given me that, that right. bit, that bit of lease of lease of life of, you know, that disruption, that rejuvenation of all oh, look something new, something mm. to real spark my, my energy and everything like that. And then came all the other stuff with Sue, which really helped as well. So I think, but I think mentally I had to really until that point, I don't think I really had to, look at every aspect i'd sort of just floated along into that into that way oh, no, yeah i'll try and win some matches yeah yeah oh get into these ones now and yeah. then it became a real right like not not quite into the one percent mm. gain yet but right what areas do i really you know probably had to start addressing my uh weaknesses which i've just almost been ignoring and things as well yeah. <laughs> yeah i love what you say then again resonates a huge amount and what's that expression of if you if you're staying in the same place you're moving backwards you know and you hear multiple sportsmen roger federer Djokovic, uh mohammed shabagi changing the way they approach the game changing their training methods and these are players who are world number one established players that that don't need to but you know they realize people are catching up and closing a gap and, and i need to flip it that's at the top end you were not that 14 is not at the top end but you needed to break through a ceiling yeah. and it did, I, I love the word you use there disruption and getting you to think slightly different which is which is a real powerful thing uh, to hear from you so uh final question which which um hopefully you can maybe cast your mind back but maybe this could be to you or to any other juniors what would you tell your younger self? So knowing what you know now, you've come through and, and, and you're, you're in that real sweet spot of your career. What would you tell your younger self? And again, maybe thinking about other juniors that, that might be struggling with things, whether it's motivation, whether it's obviously this isolation with lockdown. Yeah, what, what advice would you give? Um, I think there's like two, two sort of main prongs, really. I think the first one would be you you need to enjoy the way you play and um find you know spend time finding your your identity um as a squash player and as a person mm. i think they they need to complement each other but they don't need to be the same <laughs> i think the other one would just be how much more at peace i am with myself the times i've tried and failed mm -hmm than the times I've decided to not try. And I think that's it's such a powerful thing. And I think just getting in a habit of doing that in life and in and in training just pushes that through onto onto the court is, you know, it's I always just, you know, go in with that um mindset. And I that's what, you know, that's why I said in the matches as well, I I really want to go onto that positive mindset of I don't want to go on and say, oh, I, I lost because I tried to not lose. Mm. Like, I want to go on and say, if I lost, it's because I, you know, if I, if it's nine all and fifth and I lost because I hit the tin, yep. I was trying, it was because I was trying to be positive. And that's, um, that's something really, really there's a huge there's a huge difference between playing to win and playing not to lose, you know, and that, that for me is, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's, they sound similar, but it's completely different mindset. And, and is that what you're touching on there when you say that statement? Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes I, I, you know, one of the words I, well, one of the little phrases I can use to tell myself is just be brave. And I think that fits like the, I've nearly finished it now, but the, the, um, 
the book I'm listening to at the moment. I don't know if you've I don't know if you've come across it. It's called The Brave Athlete, Calm the F Down. Um, <laughs> if you I haven't, haven't then I highly, I, I highly recommend it. Maybe not for the kids. Okay. It's quite a few swear words, but uh, <laughs> I you know it. Um, but it's a, it's a really good book. Uh, I think Simon Marshall and Leslie Patterson. But I'm going to be looking at that. Recommend, but uh, it's yeah, it's it, it's about you know it, it follows on from the sort of um, the chimp brain kind of stuff, but also um, you know I mean that the the title resonates with me as does the rest of the book because yeah that is for me I'd rather go out there and have the have the courage to to go for a shot and it not come off than um than to just go passive and i've yeah i've played matches where i've gone passive and that's what that's where i end up coming off in a complete turmoil if i've mm. gone out there and you know i've hit too many tins and i've hit too many tins but at least i tried <laughs> at least i went for it and i think that's that's yeah i never i never regret um i never regret one of any of those any of those matches so that's my Maybe. that's my uh, second top tip. <laughs> Listen, SJ, wow, I'm I'm definitely going to be going back over this uh, conversation and taking lots of notes and distilling them in my own way for some of my players and passing them on. And honestly, this has been such an insightful, motivating chat and has gone on for a lot longer than we thought. And you know what? I've probably got another 30 questions I could sit and ask <laughs> you, but I know I'm conscious of your time, but I would love to have you back at some point in the future because I, we haven't even talked about injuries, dealing with injuries and dealing with a lack of confidence. I know we said we we're going to talk about your whoop band, but we didn't even get onto that. But <laughs> listen, I think that that only gives us more of an excuse to have a, have a good deep chat about all these other things at some point. So I really appreciate your time. I know you're busy. You're probably off to go training now. Is that right? A uh, bit of lunch, then training. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Um, but again, thank you so much. Uh, again, hopefully a lot of listeners have got a lot out of this. And me for one, and I'm sure a lot of other people are, are looking forward to seeing you back on court and playing again. That that amazing form you had at the end of last year. Hopefully by the time you hit your next tournament, it's going to look all the same. So thank you very much, SJ. Thanks so much, Jesse. Thanks. Presence. Process. Persistence the essence of Squash Mind. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.